0: Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy.
1: We're in this collection of talks called God at Work. How many of you, you've been enjoying this uh, collection of talks the last couple of weeks, God at Work? Okay. I really, you know, I've really been enjoying it. I've been reading a few different books around the topic and the idea. And then it's actually generated a lot of conversation with some of my friends that, uh, that actually have jobs uh, not at a church uh, and so I decided to invite uh, some of my friends uh, up here. I could have invited a lot of people here because I've had conversations with a lot of you. Um, but there was something that just as I was praying, I felt like I want to include a few uh, of these specific people um, today. Because, you know, like we've been talking like week number one, we talked about this. We said uh, our work matters to God and God matters to our work. And we unpacked that for a bit. And uh, and then last week we talked about how you really you can't separate your work and your witness. Like they, they're integrated together, whether you like it or not. And the way by which you work, your excellence and your ethics, it either builds a platform for you to be able to, to be a witness for Jesus and to share your faith with people, or it actually discredits your witness. And that your work can actually, it can give your words weight when you do finally get invited uh, to, to speak into someone's life or to share about the hope that you have in Jesus. And uh, But this week, I just, you know, as I was thinking about this, I thought, I have worked, and I was just telling uh, this crew here, I'm going to introduce them in a moment, because it probably feels awkward that you're just sitting there and you've said no word yet. But uh, anyway, uh, you look great, though, guys. You look unbelievable. Um, and so, um, you know, I, as I was thinking about this, I told them earlier when we were meeting that I have worked at a church or some type of ministry for almost 20 years of my life. And um, and so I have not actually worked in a secular and we already deconstructed that. Remember week number one, but I've worked in a secular, I haven't worked in a secular like non-church environment for, for literally it's been 20 years. And so what I know is that there's some things that although I'm, I share from a position of God's word. Um, and I believe that God's word is the standard. I believe it is the inerrant word of God, infallible. It is perfect. It is flawless. It is unbelievable. And I love it. Um, while I do carry my positions and my theology and my, my theology of work specifically from God's word, from a biblical perspective, the reality is, is that it's still in theory in my mind. And I'm quick to admit that. Um, I'm a theoretician. I don't even know if that's a word, but I just said it. So, But what, what you have here is you have practitioners, people like boots on the ground, that have had to figure out and are still discovering how to integrate um, their faith with their work. And so we're going to unpack uh, some questions today. And so I want int- to, I'll just let you introduce yourself. Why don't you tell us, uh, Logan, I'll let you start. Why don't you tell us your name, where you work, what you do, and then also, what's your favorite thing about Sozo Church? It can't be my preaching. I know you want to say that, but don't say
0: that. You have to say something else. Okay. Hey, guys, I'm Logan. Um, I serve on the worship team. Give us your here. last name, too. Oh, my Wilson Logan Wilson sounds so professional, so formal. Um, I, I work at a financial tech company startup in Oakland called LendUp. Um, I mean, what I do is that I, I call the people that are late on their loans and be like, Hey, how you doing? Want to try to you owe us money, you know? But um. and then they
1: say, Aren't you a man of faith? Like, <laughs> integrate place? your yeah. faith there.
0: Yeah, um, that's what I do. My favorite thing about Sozo. I have to pick one thing for real. I love how inclusive the community is. I love small groups. Uh, yes, that's my answer. So, like a shameless love plug it. there. I
1: love small groups. Love my By the Monday way, night you can sign up.
2: Hi, I'm Jasmine Ohin. Uh Hey. Okay. No. Okay. So, I teach. Well, I work at the Boys and Girls Club in San Francisco, and I'm the performing arts director there. And I just love it so much. I would get to teach the little sweet demonic souls. No I'm just <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes it feels like that. And um my favorite thing about Sozo is just the awesome community. Like we're we're not from here, which many of us aren't. And I feel like as soon as we came we just found a family and this is like the first church that I ever feel like I like belong to and I'm like proud to be a part of. So yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, hi everyone, I'm Marco Reginelli, and uh, um, let's see, I, I work at Google, I'm a sales leader there, and have been there for 13 years, and my story's the opposite of Jason's. Uh, I was in ministry, and then 18 years ago, I flipped, and I went to the, the workplace, I actually ran a fashion company for four years, and a startup, and and then I've been at Google uh, ever since. So um, so yeah, my perspective has has definitely shifted over the years of what does it look like to be... Um, obviously a, a Christian in a Christian environment. What does it look like to be a Christian in a, in a secular environment? Um, so, um, and then my favorite thing about Sozo is, is definitely the relationships. That's why we're here. Um, and a shout-out to Elton and the worship team. We love the worship, too. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's the relationships for sure.
1: It's funny. The, the first person I met whenever I moved here uh, was was Marco and someone we had like a, a person that knew a person that knew a person or whatever that connected us and I showed up at Google and uh, Marco just kind of had those arms crossed. We ate breakfast and he's like, "So tell me, what are you doing here? You know?" He's like, a, "I'm planning a church. I'm so excited. You want to come?" <laughs> and he's like, "This kid's gonna. He's gonna. It's probably gonna fail. But anyway. <laughs> but we got you. You're here." <laughs> Uh, but anyway but he's one of my dearest friends he's one of my closest friends here, and him and his wife uh, we love him so much having them part of our church but uh, I'll, I'll do this i have a i mean I have a lot of questions here, and obviously we, we won't be able to get to all these um, but I would just love to hear from your perspective a few of these. The first one is this, because we've been talking about, like, how do you integrate your faith in your work? I think that that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And so I think that's a good starting point for us. What does that mean to you? And feel free, you can kind of popcorn answer this. Anybody can pop into this. But um, what does it mean to you
0: um, to integrate your faith with your work? Go so first, to me, that, the like, the foundation of that is just, doing your job, doing it well, and giving God the credit. That's like in its simplest form. That's what I would say that it is. Um, Then the rest comes later, but that's my first.
2: So at my job, I'm really big on relationship building in general, and I feel like the best way to integrate my faith in a secular space is just being my authentic self. Like, All my crazy, all my ratchet, all my classy, all that. And (laughs) that way I connect with my coworkers or my kids. And when I throw in like a shameless plug, like, hey, you know what? I think you would love this church I go to in the city. You live in the city. You should come here. And then I show them the website. And then I mention that our pastor has tattoos. And that usually like.
1: (laughs) She's talking about Jennifer, not me. I would (laughs) never get a tattoo.
2: But whenever I mention that, that's usually the one moment when they're like, really? Oh, i got to check this out. And I've even had some guests come, so <laughs> I just try to be very authentic.
3: Love it. Um, so for me, I think it's really easy to, to compartmentalize, right? You kind of get into your work mode, and I fall into this trap all the time. Like, you get to work, and you're in the zone, and you're going from meeting to meeting, um, project to project, and... Uh, you know, somewhere in my journey, I realized, God, where, why are you not integrated in my in my life more? Right? Like, okay, I I spend time with you on the BART and the way on the, my my way to, to work, and then obviously when I get home, but throughout the day, like, I, I, how do I how do I make sure that that's that's um, that's that's present? And I I, you know, Jesus lives in us, right? The the God of the universe lives inside of us, and just that revelation of like. Throughout the day, if I can pause and just remember that that point, pause and and take a, maybe a walk around the office um, and just check in, right? So if we're we're the vine, right? Or He's the vine, we're the branches. Like we are tapped into the God who who can help us throughout the day. The God who can help us give give us the words in in the meeting when we have to have a hard conversation, or the idea um, for what comes next in your organization, right? Or I mean, it just in general, like being able to problem solve, supernaturally problem solve, like the God of the universe, we can tap into that. And, and I think that for me was, was a real revelation of like, this is not just a God at home situation or a God as I prep for work. This is God in my work, like in what I'm doing. Um, and I think I can be the best sales leader. Like I even say this uh, throughout the day um, is, is Jesus, you were the best sales leader of all. If you read the Gospels, like, he was the best sales leader. He gathered and built, basically, an army to evangelize the world. Like, what a better example. There's not a better example uh, than than that. And, like, I want to be that kind of sales leader. So... Just integrating that and having the moments to pause, um, I think, has been important.
1: That's really powerful. I mean, I if, when I think about even as a pastor, and you guys, if you've been here for a while, you know, there's always like confessions of a pastor. When I preach, I'm like just, I'm just super candid. I just, this is what's going on. This is where we're at. This is what I, my struggles are. Um, but even as a pastor, that's doing church work, spiritual stuff. Um, It's easy for me to get just put my head down and just start pounding out work and totally disconnect from God while I'm doing his work for him, but not actually with him. And I I, I imagine like that's got to be a challenge, especially if you're not in a church environment, you know, where it's so easy to get so busy. And I love what you're saying, Marco. It's like just pushing pause sometimes and remembering that that you are connected to him and that he can do so much with you. I love the John 15 text that you shared uh, you guys should read it when you get a chance. But I'll, before I ask you this next question, let me read this uh, verse of Scripture to you. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Um, I love the Passion Translation. It says, if anyone asks about the hope living within you, that is that someone asks you about, like, you're different. Like, something's different about you. And whenever they ask, he says, you need to always be ready to explain your faith with gentleness and respect. Usually people put a period after faith in most church circles, and we forget the next part. But you do it with, with gentleness and respect. Maintain a cl- clean conscience so that those who slander you for living a pure life in Christ will have to lie about you and will be ashamed because of their slander. Um, and so I, I love this because it's like, hey, how do you how do you have that conversation with someone about your faith? about your church, or about your relationship with Jesus. And so the next question that I have is this, is how do you personally, how do you personally, I know Jasmine, you mentioned this a bit, but how do you personally ask people from your work, maybe to come check out church, or, uh, or you invite them to come to one of the gatherings that we have? Like, how do you do this? Have you found this to be a challenge um, in San Francisco, in a city like this? Um, or have you found people to be a little open and receptive to it?
2: So I have found that it is, there's, like, this underlying tension where you don't want to come off as a crazy Christian and you don't want to come off as that I'm a CIA Christian. Like, I want to be unapologetic about my faith in every space because God lives inside of me. And I find it easier with my kids because they're more receptive to, like, listen and just kind of hear about things in my life and they ask, like, questions. Um, With my coworkers, I usually kind of frame it around that this city, um, it's hard to find a place that you can call home, and this is a place that I've called home, and I've only been here like almost a year, but I say how it was really hard transitioning, but whenever I came to Sozo, I found a home. So I try to frame it around, um, you find family. It's not religion, because you get questions like, so are you like tied to religion? It's like, you know, I identify I'm a Christian, but, it's all relational. Like, Jesus wanted a relationship with us. He died on the cross to have a relationship with us. And you desire a relationship because you're talking to me. Like, so I tell them they can find a home here, and we are so relational here at Sozo. Like, if it's your first time, like, we're so relational, and we're so happy you're here. So
1: you She's home. so believable because of the <laughs> smile, right? She's just, like, smiling from ear to ear. She's
0: like, we love you. My answer, I would say it's it's... It's just a process. Like, you, you don't want to invite them right when you meet them. It's kind of like when you're asking somebody out on a date. Like, you don't want to do that right away. That's like the relation. Like, you get to know them first. It could, like, you might, you might get a yes, but you all might more likely get a side eye. I don't know what else you think. I don't know. It could be weird. But so I would say just get to know them. You know, they're people. Like, we're people. Like, you know, don't try to make. Uh, one thing that I think Christians like to do not like to, but they just kind of do out of habit is that they, they create an us and them mentality. And if you want to, if you want to have influence, you gotta, you gotta take that out. You gotta erase that. You know, we're, we're all people we're on the same platform on the same level. So what I do just get to know them. I mean, so practically speaking with like one, two things that I have that have helped me a lot with work is, is take advantage of any opportunity you have to talk to other people. So for me, just for my scenario, I have two 15 minute breaks <laughs> throughout the day, like just to get off the phones and, and do whatever you need to do. I use that time to take a lap around the office, talk to people, like, hey, how was your weekend? I don't know, just anything, just anything, the work, chattered, I don't know, whatever you could say. There's like an Instagram account of just like awkward small talk on, on business. You know, yeah. But um, so just like, it's a gnome, just talk to people, just, you know, I don't know, just they're people. But then one thing, and this one, You know, I didn't want to do it first, but, like, if they have any kind of, like, outing, if they're doing something, if they're, like, going out for happy hour or at extra events, go to those things. Like, you don't talk to them just in work. If you talk to them outside of work before they come here, then they might actually connect with you more and see that you're a normal person, too. So, like, you know, I already know from the very beginning I tell them, like... You know, say a fun fact about yourself. Well, like, I moved here to help plant a church. Like, I make that very open. Like, that's... You're
1: like, is that a well. fun fact?
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, that you make that, like, like you said, like be, like, be unapologetic about it. So that way they know that about you. But then, like, also treat them like a normal person. And I have one story. Um, I'll try to make it short. But I... So, <laughs> there was like our second day of work so we're starting there's like three weeks of training and, and there was like 15 of us all on this this was my last job I just started this one I'm at right now same thing though um, but um the second day I go in I see somebody sitting by herself and she just looks really stressed just like really overwhelmed and yeah it's a lot of information I was like hey you okay like you doing all right then I find out like she's also in college full time she is having other personal issues going on and just because I asked how you doing she opened up to me, and there I had an opportunity to step in and and, and be there for her, and, and so just things like that, and then next thing you know, like, that lunch, she goes, hey, like, you got plans for lunch? I was like, no, He's like, want to, like, take a walk, like, she just, just opened up, just from that, just simple, how you doing? Like, it's a way easier than you think, like, she, I didn't invite her yet, like, there's no anything like that, but now, fast forward, she is the one who is, like, she's the first person, after six months, the first person to finally come and attend, like, Sozo, and you know, just loved worship. She loved it. She's like, I'm coming back every week. She's like, gone this week. Kind of bad timing, but you know. But now, <laughs> Grace, I love That's you. It's like you're an amazing, illustration
1: but, gone bad, right there. Yeah, it's there. like
0: she's she's out of town this week. But now, like, what's cool? Like, just one person. Because like, you're like six months of you're like trying to invite. Six months of like nobody coming. You're like, dang, like this is then one person, and now that person can kind of vouch for for us and so it be like, hey, it's not crazy. It's actually kind of legit. And now they're like more people coming. So like. Like it just with one person, it can start there and then it can all just, um, I mean, it takes off from there. It's a ripple effect. So, you know.
1: yeah, you know, one of the things I, I keep think, hearing, like as you're saying this, is John Maxwell, leadership guru, he makes this great statement. He says, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, um, like what I'm hearing you say is, it's funny, like as Christians, we're always inviting the outsiders to come on our turf on our terms. And it's like we never, a lot of times, we never go to where people are at. When Jesus' ministry was actually just the opposite, he was always where people were at. He was always going on their turf. He was always in their spaces and places. And I think that that does. It it has to be, like, where if you're always inviting someone from your work to come to your thing, but you never go to their thing, well, it just looks like you're just... Go ahead. What's that? Within a reason. They'll be like,
0: you should come to this rave with me. Dude, like, yeah. the chicks are... I, like, hey.
1: <laughs> I tell people, as long as it's not illegal or immoral, you know, as long Short as you're thing. not, you know. <clears throat> but that is, but hey, maybe we should talk about that for one second. Um, maybe if one of you guys have a thought about this, I think that's the, the, the space we live in as Christians that are on mission, is it's, it's sometimes it's messy. It's sometimes a little gray. It's not always just black and white. That, that when we look at the life of Jesus, he was a controversial spiritual leader in his time where he had a prostitute come into a mill and wash his feet. That's controversial. Like all of you would question my spirituality if that happened. If we were like having lunch at your house and some, you know, a woman of the streets walks in and she's like praying at my feet, like you would be like, how does she know you, Jason? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> but I, I do think there, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously like there has to be, we have to be in these places at times to 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 connect with people so that they know that we are normal we're not weird um and that, that we care for them and we care about what's going on in their life so yeah i think i think
3: a big part of this is the authenticity of our own life mm-hmm. life is messy we're messy all of us and i think the the challenge or the gap that exists between you know the world and and and, and their perception of us <clears throat> often is really that that they they see us as self righteous, right? That we are um, uh, trying to be something maybe we're not, right? That that there is hypocrisy and and, and whatnot. And the reality is, like, if we just were our, th- our authentic self and allowed the messiness to be um, revealed once in a while, like this is something I I do, and it's just because it's, I think it's my my nature to be. Um, way more open about, hey, this is what's going on. Here's here's the struggle that I'm going through, or here's the issue that's happening, you know, with, with a family member. And um, it's it's basically breaking down those walls so you can have common ground, right? And the common ground allows you to have a real conversation. It allows you to have a starting point for wherever the, the Holy Spirit wants to take that, right? And I think, yes, be prepared in and out of season. Be ready for, you know, an answer. But I think so much of it starts with, the realness and the the ability to have a con- a real connection, and they say, "Wow, you're you're a real person. Um, you don't have it all together, um, and and be able to, to kind of um, have have a real discussion around what makes you who you are, and and how you work through, and how you, you know, kind of have that journey through a difficult situation, and where the where the Lord meets you in those those situations." So a good example um, in in my life is um, we had a family member who was. Uh, basically died on the operating table, came back to life, but was basically very close to, um, to dying. And this is my, this is my sister-in-law. And uh, we were, as a family, praying like crazy. And, and so when I got to work, uh, of course, this is who I am. I shared, like, hey, this is what's going on in in my family. And, and we're all, it was very clear, like, we're all praying for a miracle um, because we don't know what else to do. Uh, The doctors don't know what to do. We are praying for a miracle. And, of course, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, our thoughts are with you. Um,
0: Sending vibes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, The rays of sun on your family right now. Um, But I think it's the transparency of, like, no, we believe that God can do a miracle, and we're praying for that. Uh, And so when God actually did a miracle two weeks later... I came back and reported that. It was a miracle. The doctors don't know why that
1: she was able to bounce back, right? Um, great. So. Great. Pretty good. Um, here's, here's a good one. Um, how do I stand up for what I believe uh, without pushing people away when something immoral or unethical is happening at work? So, you know, you're Christian and there are certain standards that God's word calls us to live by. Uh, integrity, being honest. Uh, not not manipulating people or controlling people to to for you, for your own success or whatever. There's a whole series of biblical standards that we're called to live by. But the reality is, is there are times when you're in a workspace and this happens even at churches, by the way, um, but where unethical things happen. Uh, where someone's living below that standard, well, they—that's probably normal because they're not a Christian. How do you handle that as a Christian, though? Like, if you see that, or like, how do you—how do you deal with that? Have you, um, maybe you have a, a scenario where you've actually had to
0: deal with that before. Just because I'm first doesn't mean I'm going to talk first. Either.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an experience um, where we—I recently started my job and. We have a te- we had a team member that wasn't living up to the standard of excellence, and I'm like brand new coming in, so I felt like I had fresh eyes, and kind of um, I prayed about it and I asked my community like kind of how should I go about the situation, and of course like you get the answer you don't want. They're like pray. I'm like no, I want to go to my supervisor. Like I need to tell like and <laughs> so but I pray and. The person that was living way below the standard of excellence that we say for our kids and for ourselves like he was not meeting that and he was there for like 10 years and I'm not saying like oh like it was just my prayers I do believe it was very divine for him to not be there but then within the two weeks if I was there like he was gone like he resigned and I really feel like it was prayer practically also um, just making sure that The same thing that I'm saying for, like, my kids my coworkers, I'm also living to that standard. Like, I have another story. I have a lot of stories because I work with a lot of kids. So (laughs) um, just recently, last week, I had a parent come really angry towards me. I'm leaving. I'm like, bye. And she's like, you talk to those kids like that, but you ain't going to talk to mine. I'm like, oh, talking to me? Like, you know, I'm really thrown off. And I remember it was like, the teens are here watching, they remember everything that I say about having integrity, like you're, kind of like my faith is on display. One of our friends says that a lot, like his faith, like when you're at work, your faith is on display. And my flesh, I'm getting angry, because I'm like, I'm not no punk, you know, about talk to me crazy. But then... <laughs>
1: Jasmine, I bet you could, you could throw down on somebody. <laughs>
2: But then I'm also remembering that my faith is on display. My kids are watching. My coworkers are watching. They know I'm a Christian. I'm unapologetic about it. And I was so encouraged when I left because I know in my small group, um, also we have a small group on Friday in East Bay, 730, 7 o'clock roll through. And um, in our small group, I vocalized that God really wanted me to be intentional about my words. Like in order to go to the next level, I need to be intentional about my words because that's people are not really going to listen to my scriptures or anything usually when they don't have a relationship they need to know that my like what i'm living is true and through my words a lot of that happens and through the way i live my life so whenever she's like going off on me the best thing i could think to do was just to smile and go you know what like this is this is probably not going to work i think you guys have this from here i'm going to go bye and i was so encouraged knowing that that's something i vocalized to my small group that i was struggling with not exhausting the most patience with the kids or um Maybe, I don't know, different situations that I wouldn't feel adequate to where I needed to be for the kids, but um, I definitely believe that you have to just keep in mind that your faith is on display, regardless of what you're saying, oh, your testimony, like, people are looking when you don't think they're looking. And I remember my student came to me the next week. Miss, she went off on you, and you were so calm. I was like, "Yeah, because you know what? Like, people are gonna do things outside of what you feel is like what you deserve, but it's how you respond. It's okay to be angry, but what is my response?" And the Bible tells us that. It's like Jesus got angry, but what's my response to that anger? So,
1: that's really good. You know, I I was just thinking that um, the, the issue a lot of times in Christianity is that that we do not have moral authority which is this is the alignment between what you say and what you do and what I hear you say is that that actually you modeling what you want multiply within the organization um, as a Christian it actually it builds a platform for you to be able to 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 speak about what why you like kind of the hope um, to which you have that like like why you act like that like you're able to say it's because of my faith in Jesus it's, it's, that's why I'm like this which I really love Marco
3: yeah, I have a slightly different um, take on this, <clears throat> and maybe it's it's where um, some of the the tech companies have have gone, and, and maybe more modern companies is um, they've recognized that biblical truths, high standards actually are good for business. And so, if you look at probably seventy five percent of most mission statements, integrity is in there, right? Great service, being a servant to people is being in there. These are these are godly. Jesus principles, um, and it works, right? So doing the right thing works. Um, doesn't mean everyone's doing the right thing all the time, but I think as a core, a lot of these companies have recognized the importance of, of having high ethical standards and and living that way. So I'm I'm blown away sometimes, and seeing how um, many many leaders and people in the organization are touting these these principles and beliefs, and I'm like, wow, like they're right on. Um, you know, I think sometimes we feel like we've cornered the market on being good, mm-hmm. and the reality is that's not the case. Like I get into work on a Monday morning, and I, some of people on my team—they were working at a homeless shelter, just volunteering. Like, okay, that's convicting. Um, you know, or or we think we've cornered the market on on peace. Like, oh, we've got—and yes, we have the peace that passes all understanding. But our our people, you know, my my team—they're going on retreats to you know monasteries and doing. Um, uh, you know yoga and, and meditation sessions, and they're they're like seeking out peace as well. And so, you know, I think uh, there's there's a lot that that we think we come in with a certain moral high ground, and it's like wow, they've recognized the truths of God, and they're trying to put it to work in their in their personal life. They're trying to put it to work in their business, and that's why often there's a lot of success there. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's like God, like how can I help be a demonstration of the genuine version of this um, and and sometimes it's hard to kind of see that to, to see what what distinguishes the genuine piece versus something that's sought at you know a yoga retreat um, so uh, nothing against yoga retreats <laughs> um, but but you know what I mean like there is there is a genuine and then there's the um, you know the uh, uh, you know the fake the
1: the counterfeit
3: That's the word I'm going to use for.
1: That's really good, man. Really good. I thought you said yogurt retreat. I was like getting hungry over here. It's like, man, in Jesus' name. Uh, Here here you go. Um, This is such a great question. Uh, How do I represent Jesus well when I do not like my job at all? Like, how do you do that? (laughs)
0: Love this question. When I first moved here, I had a lot of jobs I did not like. Um, And I full disclosure did not do the things I'm about to say I wish somebody would have told me this back then but you know I've I've learned some things since then but if you don't like your job I can I mean yeah you'll you lose a lot of motivation because you don't like your job I mean it's but the thing like as far as integrating your faith at work and and like you that doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't, like, it's, and all the scriptures that we've been reading, none of that is even mentioned. It doesn't say if you like your job or the job that you like. It's not even a factor. So, I mean, you, you don't have motivation because you don't like your job, but you have to find what your motivation is. Yeah. You know, and, and, I mean, why are we even having this talk today? Like, why are we having this series? Because our motivation is that heaven and hell are real. Like, that's, that's a reality. Like, there are people that you work with that are going to hell and like you it's like god does his part like we can't save people the pressure is off of us like jason beautifully said that last week but it's still our responsibility to do our part to 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 be the hands and feet to invite to like that's still the reality and if we see these people the way that god sees them then we care about them enough to do our part and that doesn't matter if we like your job or not and so that's i mean i'm a simple guy that's kind of it that's all i got. that's all i got but like
1: Share that scripture that you share
0: with me when we were yeah, talking about this. Yeah, Romans, it's on there, Romans 15? That was close, it was a close address. 14. Romans 10. Romans 10, 14.
1: Like, do we have it on Venice, there? Roman, this is like Van chapter 10 right here, okay? It's like, yes. yeah, how many of you still on, use, man. like you've been living here for a while, you still use like MapQuest and, is it MapQuest, is that what it is? Jeez. <laughs> Shut up.
3: Here it is, right here. He prints it out on paper, too.
1: I have a map. My, I have a fold-out map, and I draw. I have a highlighter. I'm embarrassed, guys. really am. Let's bow our heads and pray. It's going to shut down this service, Logan. Uh, Romans chapter 10. says It says, uh, but how can people call on him for help? Him, like God. How can people call on him for help if, they're not, if they've not yet believed? Um, and how can they believe in one they've not yet heard of? And how can they hear the message of life if there is no one here uh, there to proclaim it to them? And in your little notes right here, it said God's part. Like, how can, they, um, how can they call on him if they haven't believed yet? Like, how can they be saved? How can they have a relationship with God? That's God's part. But then it moves on and you have, it, here's our part, is we have to tell them. We have to say something. So, anyway, that's a great scripture. I like that. Somebody else? You, you want to you respond to that question? Do you remember what it was? You don't like your job.
2: Well, um, I've worked in jobs in the past where I wasn't like, I don't like it. but um, I loved what I was doing, but I didn't like the environment. But what keeps me kind of remembering what God kind of has on our lives is like I'm there for people. Like yeah. whether I like my job or not, yeah. like God like Jesus walked the earth to encounter like people to save people's lives, like to save uh, to save us, and we are people. So I remember that like I may not like my boss, or um, right now I do, I, I do like my boss, but like <laughs> but in the past, the I may, yeah, right? But in the past, I may not have liked everything that the school or something stood for, but I'm there for people. I'm there for the kids. Like I know that. I am a vessel and God's using me where I'm at. Like in my area of influence, I know that I have the influence to kind of sway their decisions or whatever, especially working with children. They're so impressionable. And knowing that anything I say, they're going to take that with a lot of weight. So if I'm like, you know, we say, and I'm like, prayer, like God is so good. Like I'm just so thankful to have you guys in my class. Like they're going to remember that and ask me questions. And I remember that at the end of the day, I'm there for people.
1: Um, here's a question right here. I don't know if you want to answer this I have kind of a thought on it um, but it says uh, how does being a witness apply if you don't work in an office? Uh, maybe you're a small business owner, stay-at-home mom stay- at-home dad, uh, remote worker like how does that apply? How are you a witness at work when there's no one there are you witnessing to yourself <laughs> like how does that work do you, any, anybody have anything on that Here's the one thought I had was um, you know right now I don't have an office. And so, uh, my office is at home, and my wife is already a Christian, so I can't really witness to her. Uh, <laughs> my kids, the verdict's still out. Uh, so. <laughs> but a lot of times I'm like, you know, here's even though I work out of my house, um, I still I still go outside, like I still run to the coffee shop, I still like and so so I just you have to draw your your sphere that God's wanting to use you in outside of just your, your, you know, your home office or whatever, if you're a stay-at-home mom, when you go grocery shopping or a stay-at-home dad, whenever you uh, run to pick up your kids from school or whatever, like, that becomes your office space. So the office space has got, you have to see it as bigger. So if you do normally, like, for me, if I'm at home, like, I, I try to integrate my faith whenever I run to Whole Foods or whenever I'm at a coffee shop and I'm grabbing uh, an Americano in Jesus' name. And... Um, <laughs> And so I try to do that in the same way. And so what happens is, is like typically you go to the same coffee shop, the same grocery store, the same whatever. And so what if God wants to use you in building relationships with those people? I know that Will does this really well. The other day, uh, Will and I, we go to grab a coffee, like a couple of streets over from his office downtown. And, uh, and we walk in and he's like, you think he's the mayor of San Francisco. He knows everyone in there. He's like, hey, Jimmy. That's not his name. His name was way cooler than that. But anyway... Your name's Jimmy. Mine's Jason. Welcome to the party. Okay, 80s white boy names. Okay, <clears throat> but uh, but man, you you do that so well. It's like you know, just you know the people in your community, in the in the patterns of your of your life. And so that's what I would say to it is like you know, my wife though she's a stay-at-home mom. She's she knows more people in our neighborhood than I do, uh, or care to know. Uh, but anyway, she's way more saved than me. But that, that's what I thought with that one. Um, this is a good one right here. Um, t- 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 I, I love this. How do I integrate my faith? Marco, this would be a good one for you. How do I integrate my faith in a work environment that perceives faith as illogical or unintelligent?
3: You guys seen the episode in Silicon Valley where the, uh, the, gay, the gay Christian was outed? Um, not that I'm promoting the show, but it's a very hilarious episode because it... Um, the outrage that came from this outing was not that the, the man was outed as, as being gay. He was, he was, the outrage was that he was a Christian, and oh my gosh, this is going to tank this whole project. And, um, and there is a real, there's a real hostile, honestly, a hostile environment towards Christians. And if you're a Christian and a conservative, uh-oh, watch out. you an absolute crazy person. You know, bombing abortion clinics and things like that. So um, and, and a fan of the Dallas Cowboys probably as well, right? I think they go hand in hand, probably. <laughs> Um, or the New Orleans Saints. uh, Stop it. Shots fired. (laughs) Um, no, but I think, I think this is the, this is the reality, right? We have a a world, at least in the Bay Area, that, that is, um, obviously very uh, highly intelligent. Um, in many cases, these, these folks have studied scripture, probably for intellectual curiosity reasons, um, They may know more of the Bible than we do, and they're ready and prepared to have the conversation. Um, So uh, there's a small group of Christians at Google, a very small group. It's gotten bigger as we've gotten bigger, but in the early days, a very, very small group. And we thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to have a theologian come, the name we all know, um, to come to Google and actually speak? And we thought this would be great. Um, uh, Basically, a a matching of the minds, and we basically would have him uh, come and talk about faith and apologetics, and see how this goes. Um, well, long story short, it was um, it was rough. It was rough to see like our best and smartest go head to head with other very, very, very brilliant people, and just realizing I, wa- I walked out of that session where it felt like we threw this theologian to the lions, and and um, walked out very defeated, to be honest, and just realized um, you know what, like. The power, you know, the, the verse in, in Romans about, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for for salvation. The power of God for salvation. It doesn't say that the gospel is is the argument, right, for salvation. And you know, I I enjoy a good debate and being able to to, to defend defend my faith, but realizing that that uh, is not where the power is. It's not in being able to convince someone that that. There is some logic to what we what we believe here, um, or that that there's some other argument that could beat their argument. Uh, It's the power of God, and and I've noticed this. We have uh, some friends at work that uh, we've been sharing the gospel with for a long time, and a lot of those conversations were all about apologetics and and how how crazy could you be to believe in the spaghetti monster, right? Um, And when it came down to it, and in some ways, it felt like a, a moment of desperation, and Nicole and I remember this um, we couldn't we could not reason on the same level and uh, and, and prove that God existed and, and that god was was um, uh, worth believing in until we actually started to tell our personal story of, of actually the power of God in our own life and you know what they listened, they were quiet they had no answer to that they had no answer to that so you know, often we think like, hey, we've got to meet, you know, mind to mind in order to, to share the gospel. Um, and often I felt I found that let's go down a little bit further and let's see where the heart is. Right. And a lot of this comes with with an invitation and, and a able, ability to have a conversation about what really is going on inside of people. What's going on inside of you. Right. And and even further, like the, the miracles that can happen in our life um, that are honestly, in many cases, unexplainable. And they're like, "Wow, okay, I've got I've got nothing to say to that." And those are the seeds that you know. I know the Holy Spirit uh, works on in waters. Um, probably works on those a whole lot more than some really smart argument that we try and plant in someone's mind.
1: It's like remember the story where uh, Jesus. Yeah, go ahead. Once you clap your hands, that's great, Marco. Remember the remember the story. Um, remember the story where Jesus heals the. I guess the guy was blind or grip, I can't remember. But his parents, you know, his parents and him, they get in this argument uh, with the religious people. Like, who did this? Tell us. Why, how did this happen? And over and over again, the guy's like, I don't know. They're trying to get in this argument and debate and this theological discourse. And this guy's like, yeah, he was blind. He goes, I don't know what happened. All I know is I once was blind, and now I see. That was it. Like, he just, he just, and his his witness was to this personal experience with the power of Jesus, yeah. it wasn't some nuanced theological whatever. And I think that sometimes, um, like you're saying, like w- the thing that we think we need to get someone saved is some like theological understanding of some great big thing. While we should study, the reality is is that that's never going to like it's never going to regenerate someone's heart. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times it's us sharing our our experience with the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, we'll wrap up with these final two questions here. Um, On the heels of that, since we were talking about arguing uh, a bit. Um, But how do you respond when people at work want to argue about your beliefs? Um, And before you answer it, let me just read this one scripture. Colossians says, Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. For then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. Uh, so how do you handle it? Like, have you had people that want to argue with you, and they, they, it feels like a level of hostility where they're, they're just wanting to get into a debate? And if that's happened, like, how, how would you say, maybe distill your answer for the sake of time, but how do you handle that? Like, how should we handle that?
0: Here, I'm out a lot of times they just want to they just want to get some stuff out maybe they've had a hurt in the past from from a church or, or a religious person they they just want to get it out let them do that like i think it's okay to be challenged in your faith like there's nothing wrong with that i think it's good for us builds character um, but i mean i mean we kind of already a lot of that's already been answered marco said it beautifully but really like if they want to argue just let them talk yeah. don't try to be like well don't try to rebuttal. just hear them listen Be respectful. What's that verse? Did you actually? Yeah, it was Colossians 4. Yeah. Yeah. Just be respectful.
1: Yeah, I think that like what I have found, like what you're saying is where a lot of times where there's hostility, there's hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And a lot of times some of those questions that you're hearing and some of that aggression that you're feeling and sensing. It's probably because there's been some spiritual leader, some pastor, some church, some church people that have really wounded that person. When I first moved here, I, I, I could not believe um, how many times we, we were having these interest meetings about starting the church. And I would have a handful of people come up to me. Uh, never met these people before in my life. I'm just smiling, trying to be a good pastor from the south, right? And, um, and so I would have people come up to me. I would put my hand out to shake their hand. And this was this is what would happen. And you would hear sometimes uh, anger and you'd hear sometimes pain. And they would say, what's your position on gay marriage and abortion? Go. And for me, I learned quickly how to respond and and interact with that conversation. Um, But I also learned quickly that there was a lot of pain in our city around those two topics and other topics where people have been wounded and hurt by the church and by spiritual leaders. And I began to really pray, say, God, you've called us to reach all people. And, Lord, would you teach me? Would you train me? And what I found is this, is that, um, that people want to share, as Logan's saying, they want to share their story and their perspective. So why not ask that? In the South, in, in ministry, I remember we were always quick to give our position, our, our the- theological stance. We were just quick, like, this is what I believe, and it doesn't matter because this is what the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. And I've learned quickly that that really doesn't matter. What matters is, is for you to hear people out. And to, what I would encourage you to do is Ask questions. Don't be so quick to give your position. Positions sometimes create opposition. So be quick to be humble and and have a sense of humility that, like, hey, um, I'd love to hear your story. Your story and your perspective is more important than my position and my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. God's word matters and you matter. You matter to God. And when people would ask me, what's your position on this? I'd say, here's my position, is that God loves all people and that God has, he's got more grace than we can even imagine. And he wants to have a conversation and be a part of your spiritual journey, wherever you're at with this. And I've learned this over time. Like, don't be dogmatic. Don't be so quick to set your position. Be quick to hear someone's story. Because I think the more you hear someone's story, God will give you more love and grace for that person. Doesn't mean you compromise truth. Doesn't mean that you don't hold to the position that you have. But I'm telling you what, things become so much more clearer whenever you begin to hear someone's background and what they've walked through. And then God can actually use you to speak into their story and to be a part of their story. Because what do we want? Do we want to be right or do we want to see people reconciled to Jesus? That's what we want. We want to see people reconciled. Sorry, I want to preach this because it's a passion of mine. Because I don't want us to ever be a church or to be a group of Christians where we're constantly putting our stake in the ground on positions and saying, it doesn't matter about your story it doesn't, I'm, I'm right and you're wrong. Listen, I'm quick to say this. I'll share with people about a lot of different positions. Like, here's what I, I believe God's word says about it. I could be wrong. could be wrong. Um, I don't think I am, and then I'll smile. I don't think I am or I wouldn't have that position, but you don't think you're wrong or you wouldn't have your position, but could we be respectful of one another to hear each other's stories? And let's go on this journey together. And I think that God can use that soil to do his greatest restorative work in the hearts of humanity. Um, let me, um, did you have something you wanted to say? I saw you lift the mic. I, I
3: was, um, I totally agree on the listening part. And, and um, you know, someone's perception of, of Jesus may may be from early in their life where there, there was some... Um, Hurt, right? Uh, a wound, and they're carrying that forward. And so, one of the, I guess, the the medals of honor that I know Nicole and I sometimes, um, you know, celebrate is when someone says, you know, hey, Christians suck, but Marco, Nicole, you guys, you guys are different. You guys, there's something, and nothing. I mean, obviously, we're we're we we want to contrast the um, the non-Jesus Christian um, uh, perception of of. You know whatever they face, like what what where can we be a demonstration of Jesus? They say sometimes we're the only Jesus that, that people will see. Um, if their last version of the Jesus they saw was not the Jesus they want to to have, be in relationship with, okay, Jesus, how can we how can we be Jesus for them right here, right now? Um, that can bridge
1: that. Good. So good, that's great. Last question, and I'm going to pray over you guys. Um, um, how have you seen? Maybe give us a 30 second uh, answer to this. Um, how have you seen your church involvement, engagement here at Sozo Church with maybe serving or small groups, community? How have you seen that play out at work positively? Like, how has God used that to impact uh, your your world?
0: Read that one more time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, what God has done in your life here at this church. Um, some of you have been a part of many different churches and, and experiences, but how has God used your experience here at this church with this
0: community uh, to impact uh, your your workplace? This church has equipped me to do that like it's it's empowered me to be able to do that and I mean specifically for me, small groups is what that is for me because it's between the Sundays. It's what you do. Like I, I look forward to my Monday night smoke up. I look forward to going to prayer smoke up on Wednesdays because that is what, what empowers me to to finish out the week, to be able to bring all this with me. Like I like I have like, this church on Sundays, there's where I serve, there's where I have my time with God in the mornings and, and but like it's the other activities that we do that's kind of like what, what pushes us forward that, that can bring us that motivation to continue to do what we're doing. Um, that's small groups is my I love those said earlier but
2: yeah same like small groups have really like before coming to this church we were part of a small group and it was so amazing because that's when you really see people's heart in church a lot of the times you sit you worship you leave and that's pretty much it but in small groups you get to hear someone's heart you get to hear who they really are the pain that they've walked through and how they've become an um a survivor of that pain and It's where you start to let the walls of your heart break down. Because although we're Christians, um, we have also been hurt by other Christians, you know. And sometimes you're like, I don't want to share this story. I don't want to be vulnerable because that's a place for you to use it. And we're people and we hurt people. And sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not. But um, also just serving. Whenever I join Dream Team, that's like... There's something I think that's so beautiful when you hear that God loves you, but until you really believe it, what do you do with that? It's when you find out that God designed you. He knows the hairs on your head. He stitched you together in your mother's womb. Like he knows you so intricately, intricately. Yeah, I'm a little country. so that. <laughs> But whenever I found out my design, my spiritual gifts, like I knew where God like where he wanted to use me. And in my small group, it's so encouraging to know that, like, other people are aware of their gifts, and you can encourage someone maybe that's new to go through growth track and just kind of find out their design and also use their gifts, like, at work. Like, a lot of our gifts, yes, we can use them in the church, but they're meant to be used also in secular spaces. So, um,
3: yeah. Uh, So in in an area where I think it's less than 2% go to church, um, as a Christian, it can feel very lonely. So this church, to me, is, and small group, and is about finding people like me, right? Having community with people like me. There's something I don't. I, we don't have to be lonely, right? We can have that community, and and that's so powerful that
1: we're not alone. We're not alone here in the Bay Area. It's great. Hey, can we do this? Can we clap our hands for these guys? It's amazing.
0: Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.